grab your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 14. We'll be there in just a moment. John chapter 14. We started a new series last week for Sunday night entitled Walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. We know in our heritage and our tradition the passion for living a life led and controlled by the Holy Spirit, a a life of holiness, a life of power and impurity that comes through being set apart for God. We have terms of being sanctified, of being baptized with the Holy Spirit, having the Holy Ghost, and, and seeing that Pentecostal power as we sing about in our life. But I think it's good for us every now and then to come back and say, what is it that we are talking about? What is it that we have experienced? What is it that possibly we have never really tapped into? What is it that we mean when we say we are to walk in the Spirit? Last week we looked at who the Holy Spirit is. For us to walk in the Spirit, we need to know who He is. The Holy Spirit, as we saw last week, is is not an entity. He's, He's not just a power. He's not an experience, but rather a person to love and to cherish. Tonight I want us to look at not only who the Holy Spirit is, but what does He do? What is the work of the Holy Spirit? What is His role in our life? We can find some insights in the title that Jesus gives to Him. And tonight, in somewhat rapid fire, we're going to look at ten different aspects of what the Holy Spirit does. His role in our life. We're driving somewhere. This is not just coming up with a talk about the Holy Spirit and just kind of rejuvenating some passions from our early days of hearing the message of holiness preached, but we are getting at what it means for us right now today, I was going to say in 2012, but that's not today, (laughs) right now today in 2013, to walk in the Holy Spirit. Who is He and what does He do? And we're going to begin to see where He wants to take us in our everyday life. First, we notice in John chapter 14, and we're going to be in the book of John for a a good while. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to open with me tonight because uh, it's in your outline, it's in your notes, and sometimes I want to help you by putting the scripture there. But if you can hold God's word in your hand, it's good for us to see that this comes in context. This is not something we pull out kicking and screaming all by itself and try to pin it into some kind of talk or illustration or thought that we have. This fits with everything around it, what's going on. In John chapter 14, we see here at verse 16, the first half, look at it. We see, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. The Holy Spirit, what does he do? He counsels. He counsels. The title counselor uh, is, is used here in the NIV. In the King James, it says comforter. Another translation puts it advocate. The original word, it's a combination of two Greek terms, para, meaning alongside, and kaleo, to call, or the paraclete, we see the one who is called alongside. It's a word that's, that's used kind of in a legal term, in a court of law. This counselor, this paraclete, this one who comes alongside, is more aptly uh, an image of somebody who's on trial and the prosecutor is going after them tenaciously. 
and they need someone to defend them. They can't defend themselves, and they need someone to represent them. And so this counselor, this one who comes alongside to stand and to defend, this is the word picture that we see here in the book of John, where it says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. That's what the picture of the Holy Spirit is given to us. The Holy Spirit is available to come alongside to comfort me in trouble. To defend me when I'm falsely accused and to strengthen me when I am weak. Notice too that Jesus refers here to another counselor. Now don't miss this. This is good. I mean it's all good, but this is really good at this point. Uh, there's, there's two words here in Scripture that's used for another in the New Testament, there's at least two that's used for another. One is heteros, which means another of a different kind. It's another. If I bought a computer and I brought it home and the computer was not doing what I wanted it to do, it didn't live up to what I wanted it to do in its performance, it wasn't necessarily broken, but it wasn't what I needed, I would take it back and I would get another of a different kind. Something different because it wasn't working. That's not the word that's used here in the New Testament for another that Jesus is using. Allos, which means another, this word is meaning of the same kind. A couple years back at Christmas time, uh, some family members gave Carrie and I some Christmas money, and we were going to go uh, splurge and get a Christmas gift for each other, and, and I got an iPad. And when I got an iPad, I needed to get another of the exact same kind for Carrie, and we got this together. It's, a, it's another of the exact same kind. And that's what is put here when Jesus says, another will come after me. It's another of the exact same kind. In the same way, Jesus is now informing his disciples and telling them that the spirit he is promising, this another is of the same kind that they have seen in him. I can imagine how encouraging this must have been for them, because for the disciples, their greatest fear was that Jesus, the one who had been with them, who had walked with them, who was their Messiah, would leave, and they were going to say, he was going to send somebody else. But it was another of the same kind, the same spirit, the same power that was in Jesus is in the Holy Spirit. When you ask Jesus Christ into your life, and the Holy Spirit comes into you as you ask Jesus in. Literally, this Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, resides in you, and He is inside your being. Jesus talks about how the Holy Spirit, He comes as a counselor to come alongside us. Another aspect of what the Holy Spirit does, He counsels, yes, He also abides. If you're taking notes, jot that in. He, he counsels, number one. Number two there, uh, the next blank, I don't think they're numbered, but the next one down is He abides. To be with you forever, the spirit of truth. That's the second half of John 14, 16. This one who's going to come alongside you, he is to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The New Testament continually affirms that the moment that you trust in Jesus Christ, the moment that you put your faith in him, that he died on the cross and you've asked him to come into your life to be Lord and Savior, you get all of God that you're going to get. You don't just get God light. You get all of God. But the, the process of you trusting Him with your life is you allow Him to get all of you. He comes as a counselor, but He comes to abide. And this Holy Spirit 
The very Spirit of God dwells in you. He comforts and He abides. Romans 8.16, just listen to this. says, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You know, it doesn't really matter if you call yourself a Christian. If you don't have the Holy Spirit testifying to the work that God has done in you, it gives us reason to believe, to say, am I really trusting God? Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit will testify to the work of what's happening in you. This Holy Spirit speaks of what Jesus has done in you. The Holy Spirit doesn't come and visit. He comes to stay. He comes to abide. The children of God need to understand that this presence He gives is with us 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. You can't go anywhere to get away from His presence. See, when I'm feeling good, He abides. When I'm feeling bad, He abides. When I don't feel anything, He abides. When I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, He abides. When I'm on the mountain celebrating something, He abides. He is with us. He will never forsake us. He'll never leave us. The Holy Spirit, what does He do? He comforts and He abides with us. I think uh, we miss this as believers, especially those of us who've been in the community of faith for a long time. If you're a child of God today and you feel like you don't sense His presence anymore. Maybe we need to ask ourselves, when was the last time we acknowledged the presence of the Holy Spirit in our midst? You see, when we acknowledge that He is here, when we acknowledge that He is moving and working, it does something to us. We're not kind of coaxing this Casper the Friendly Ghost down in some way. The Holy Spirit is with us. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere all the time. But when we acknowledge Him... It, it makes us aware to His presence. There are moments when His manifest presence, when He chooses to make Himself known in more tangible ways, that it is thick and you can feel it. The Old Testament talks about that thick presence of God. But don't make a mistake. He abides with you no matter where you are at, no matter what you feel. That is a part of what He does. He, count, he counsels. He abides. The third one down, write this in. He teaches. But the counselor, this is John 14, 26. Either look on your outline, look in your Bible. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. He didn't just counsel you. He didn't just come alongside you. He didn't just comfort you. He is they're with you, not just for a moment, not just when you feel all sparkly and good. He abides with you all the time, and He teaches you. If we're going to walk in the Spirit, we need to know that this Spirit of God is one whom we can have a relationship with, and He does things in our life. If you don't sense that He is doing something in your life, if you don't acknowledge that He's doing something, it's going to be hard to walk in the Spirit. He counsels, He abides, He teaches See, you don't need to go to seminary to learn the deep truths of God. If you have a teachable spirit, an insatiable hunger for truth, check this out. The Holy Spirit is the best teacher in the world. 
Oh, don't misunderstand me. I'm not putting down formal education. I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't seek education. But friends, to learn of the things of God, who is a better teacher than the very Spirit of God? The Scriptures talk about the Holy Spirit being your teacher. He wants to come in you and alongside you and to teach you the things of Christ. Now, I want to uh, ask the question, what is a better way to learn God's Word than to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us His Word? To read it with a prayerful focus, and when we come to reading it, say, Holy Spirit, would you enlighten my mind and my heart today to see what it is you want me to see? I'm not just reading out of my own intellect. I'm not just reading out of my own persuasion. But I want you to make this come alive to me. Breathe on this passage. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God was referred to as the breath of God, the Ruach. And, and the priests there in the temple, they would in the tabernacle, they would talk about hearing the, the inhale, the exhale, the Ruach, the breath of God moving in and out of that tabernacle, that place where He would dwell. You and I are now the tabernacle, the temple, the place where the Spirit of God dwells. And He is breathing in and out of our life and He longs to breathe on God's Word and make it come alive to us. Now write this down. It's not in your notes. You may want to write it in the margins on the side. This is a, a key thought. Spiritual truth must be spiritually discerned. You say, well, duh. I mean, it's it kind of obvious. Well, maybe not. Spiritual truth, it's got to be spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1. I don't think it's in your outline. Uh, this came later. It's not their fault. It's my fault. I, I didn't get it in in time. Here's what it says. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. There are some things in life that we will not be able to understand. There's many things of God that we won't be able to understand. And without the Holy Spirit teaching us, we don't have a chance to catch it. There's times when we walk in the Spirit that we just know... In our knower, as one of my mentors would share, we just know in our knower that this is the thing of God. Well, where, where do we know in our knower? The Holy Spirit is teaching us and, and training us and, and helping us see that these spiritual things can only be spiritually discerned and we need the Spirit of God. What this is saying to us, plain and simple, is we need to be so careful how excited we get about ourselves. Because you and I do not have the ability to mastermind God and to study enough about God and to cram enough information in our brain about God. Now, don't misunderstand me. There's a place for study. There's a place for education. I'm not putting that down. But what the Holy Spirit does is what you and I cannot do. There are many things that we in and of ourselves we cannot learn, we cannot take in. But the Spirit teaches us. This is going to be key later as we talk about what it means to walk in the Spirit. I am depending and trusting on the Spirit to not only be my counselor, to not only abide and be my comforter, but to teach me as well. The fourth line down there, you see, the Holy Spirit also, what does He do? He testifies. He testifies. John fifteen twenty six, just a few verses down from where we've been. When the counselor comes... Who I will send to you from the Father, 
the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Now this is Jesus speaking. When the Counselor comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Now this is key. Last week I I warned us as we saw who the Holy Spirit is, we need to be very cautious of any teaching that the Holy Spirit is at work of something that is, that is different or down another path or, or somehow contradictory to what Jesus' message is. When we get off track when we begin to worship something other than the Spirit of God who always points back to the message of Jesus and the authority of the Father. Right here, John 15, 26, Jesus is telling us this. Once again, when the Counselor comes, who I will send from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, He will testify about Me, Jesus. He will make clear the message of Jesus Christ in us. say, well, Pastor, why are you spending so much time on that? What's the big deal? Well, we live in a culture right now that is a great day to live, where there is an openness to the things of the Spirit, the Spirit world, more than any other time. A number of decades ago, and we would have seen in a modern era that there was a closeness to a supernatural. And and if it could not be proven in a laboratory, then there was no reasoning with anybody. But as time has gone on, and, and science in and of itself has not scratched the itch of things that we know and our knower is there, the popular culture has been opened to things of the Spirit. And we can miss biblical movements of the Holy Spirit and mistake them for some other type of spirit or some other type of emotion when we begin to get off track and we begin to worship a a feeling or a movement or a river or something other that is pointing away or distracting from the message of Jesus Christ. See, if we're to walk in the Spirit, we don't want to walk in a spirit. You with me? We can walk in, in some kind of spirit. Friend, God is real. Jesus is real. The Holy Spirit is real. But friend, the enemy is real. The enemy would long to get us to go down paths and and, and mess with things that we don't need to mess with. And so just walking in some kind of supernatural arena or, or area is not good enough. We need to walk in the Spirit, the Spirit of God. And, and John fifteen twenty six tells us how to recognize this. Not only who the Holy Spirit is, but what He does. And this is a good litmus test for us walking in the Spirit. Is to see that He will testify, He will give witness to, He will give account of what Jesus has taught. Oh, this is complicated. I just wanted to come to Sunday night church. I didn't want to think. Well, wake up, you're here, so let's think together. You see, that's why we need to read the Bible. When we read the the New Testament in 40 days, this has nothing to do with your status in heaven. Nothing! You don't get points. I don't think you get stars or jewels in your crown because you read it more or or more often than someone else. Why in the world would we challenge ourselves to, to read this in a specific period of time? Because when we don't let the book of the law, the word of God, depart from our mouth, and we obey what it says, He will be with us and we can be strong and courageous, His word tells us. We can walk in the Spirit when we recognize who He is and what He does. And so for us to say, that smells a lot like God. That that looks a lot like God. Because that 
still small voice that's speaking to me is coming in agreement with what I know this book says about what Jesus said. If I have no idea what this book says, if I have no idea what Jesus' words are, then how will I know if he is testifying to the words of Jesus? Well, that's enough on that. He testifies. That's what he does. I want to remind you that the truth that we affirmed last week is still true in this here. This is what the Holy Spirit also does. It's not in your outline, but it was from last week. The Holy Spirit confirms in me what Jesus Christ has done for me. The Holy Spirit says, Amen. Ever wonder why we say that? It bugs me if we say things and we don't know why we say it. It sounds good. Amen. Sounds like a good church word. It means so be it. So be it. That's right. I agree. I'm with it. The Holy Spirit is saying about the message of Jesus, the Holy Spirit confirms in me what Jesus Christ has done for me. And so one of the things the Holy Spirit does is he testifies to what Jesus Christ has done in me. That's why the witness of the Holy Spirit in our heart is evidence that Jesus has brought salvation to us. More on that later. John 15, 27 tells us, But you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Now this next part of this verse here, it's a twofold thing, and, and I think Jesus is very intentional. He's saying that when you walk in the Spirit, you and I, we are held accountable to give an account to those around us for what is happening in us. But before we get all concerned and afraid that we'll mess it up or we won't say the right thing or we won't go to the right place and do it, he's saying, hey, the Holy Spirit, the one who is in you, he testifies about me, Jesus says. So when you put words to your faith and you share your faith, the Holy Spirit is there with you saying, that's right. So be it. Amen. I'm confirming in you what you are saying that Jesus has done. For you. He is our counselor. He is our comforter. He abides with us. He teaches us. He testifies. And fifth there, write it in, that fifth blank. He convicts. I don't know if I like this one or not. I like the fruit of it, but I don't like the feeling of it at times. John sixteen eight. If you don't know where to read, you may have finished the 40 days. Read the book of John. Do you see how this pattern of John 14 through John 15 to John 16, there is a thought that we see happening here through Jesus' words and through John's giving us an account of what's happening here? Check this out again. Go back for some further study. John 16 verse 8 says this, When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Someone has insightfully observed, before the Holy Spirit can be my comforter, he has to be my discomforter. Before you can sense the the loving arms of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, sometimes you need to feel the thumb of God in your back bringing discomfort to you. He loves you enough not to leave you just like you are. And sometimes he wants to push you out of a comfort zone. Expect this. If you never ever feel any conviction, you never ever feel any stretching or pushing in your life, maybe we need to ask the question, God, am am I walking in your spirit? I, I was talking to Lynn Madison. He's one of my friends who's now in heaven. 
I think I've shared with some of you about him before. Lynn was 90, almost 99 years old when he went to heaven. Lynn, uh, you could meet him, and in the seventh or eighth minute of meeting him, he'll let you know that he's been on his own since he was 10 years old. He's had a hard life. And he'd walk through all kinds of things. And, and I would ask Lynn often about what Jesus has taught him, and, and he said that Jesus constantly would stretch him. I remember asking him about temptation. I said, Lynn, I'm getting ready to teach on temptation. You're 97 years old at the time. Are you still tempted? He said, Brady, I was tempted five minutes ago and walked off. Apparently he was still aggravated about it. (laughs) We never reach a place in our chronological age here on this side of heaven where we are not stretched, where we're not convicted, where we don't need the Holy Spirit to be our convictor. He loves us so much. He wants to challenge us, sometimes discomfort us before we can receive comfort. How many of us would really say, boy, I love it when the Holy Spirit convicts me? I think we love the result, but it's not always what we like to feel. We don't like it sometimes when God puts his finger on a particular area that he wants control over. But his conviction, it's, it's critical if we are to live in freedom and fulfillment. See, God disciplines those who he loves. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to prick our conscience. Now, that your conscience is not your guide. Jiminy Cricket's not your guide. You can do the wrong thing enough times that pretty soon you have seared your conscience. But the Holy Spirit will be your guide and he will prick your conscience and say, this should bother you. It may not bother you, but it should bother you. He's a convictor. Now, we must never chafe underneath the Holy Spirit's conviction. It's always for our good. Now, there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation is, is when it's causing all kinds of problems for us. In fact, let's explore that together. You know, the enemy and his imps love to condemn us. How do we know the difference between condemnation and conviction? Condemnation, it is vague and it's always destructive. You're just the worst person on the earth and nothing will ever get better. But the Holy Spirit's conviction, it is specific, and it's constructive. That's why many times when we pray and there's a response time and I ask you to obey the Holy Spirit, I let you know if you have no idea what God's talking to you about, then, then just stay steady. But if God's speaking to you, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, it'll be like a neon sign flashing in your mind because he will be specific. He will say, it's this area. Now, we will play mind games. We will say, well, he can't mean that, God. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. We'll argue. We'll rationalize. We'll try to cloud it over. But he is very specific in what he says. Now, I want us to look at John 16, 9 and 10. Take a look in your Bibles at John 16, verse 9 and 10. We read in John 16 how the Holy Spirit convicts. It's in regards to three areas. In regards to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regards to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. In regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. The Holy Spirit will bring conviction there. Regarding sin, we live in a culture that doesn't like to use the word sin very much. For sure, not in a specific way. We try to avoid our responsibility of our actions at any cost. 
It's interesting to me. You can pick any news cycle, any debate of any kind, and it is plagued with all kinds of commentary on how to avoid the accountability, the responsibility for someone or some person's actions. I'm not saying we shouldn't have grace, but I'm saying we need to understand that our actions have a consequence. And sin is an area that the Holy Spirit convicts. God is specific through the voice of the Holy Spirit. In regards to righteousness, the Holy Spirit brings conviction in regards to righteousness. It would be just as much as as if I would take a dirty towel and hold it before you. Soiled. Grease. Mud. Dirt, moldy leftovers all over the towel. And I would have one that was somewhat clean. It didn't have as much dirt on it. It was relatively clean. It had only been used three or four times. But you compare that to a brand new, fresh, out of the package, white, gleaming towel that was without any spot. We see here that this is an example of the Holy Spirit convicting us in regards to righteousness. It tells us that our righteousness, our right living, is like filthy rags compared to Him. When we compare our dirty towel with somebody else's, we go, well, I don't have as many stains as they do. I don't have as much mud or grease or or moldy stuff on their towel as, as they do on their towel. Hey, it's filthy rags compared to Him. The Holy Spirit, what will He do? He convicts in these areas in our life. He counsels. He abides. He teaches us. He testifies. He convicts. And the seventh blank there, write it in. He guides us. Jesus tells us in John sixteen thirteen, the first part of John sixteen thirteen, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. I love this about God. To walk in the Spirit, we don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to flail. We don't have to kind of say, I hope I make it. I'm going to hang on. I'm going to make it to heaven somehow. That's the enemy. The Holy Spirit alive in you. When you allow Him to have freedom in every area of your life, He'll say, hey, over here, Brady. Oh, Oh, come over here. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to keep you on the right path. There's pitfalls all around us. Like we talked about two weeks ago on Sunday morning, there's a pitfall of rules. There's a pitfall of my rights. But those guardrails of God's leadership through the Holy Spirit teaches us to stay on the path. That's His guidance. He will guide us. In a world today that is confused about truth, and is there any absolutes, is there any right way to do something, or is it everybody make their own path to wherever they want to go? We need to hear the truth that Proverbs fourteen twelve tells us. The wisdom we see here that man is often confused. Proverbs fourteen twelve says, There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. One of the joys about walking in the Spirit is you and I don't have to depend on our own understanding. It can seem absolutely right to us and still lead and end in death. But the Holy Spirit, He will guide us. That's what we should expect. Expect His counsel coming alongside us. Expect Him abiding, being with us. Expect Him to teach us. We don't have to have all the right pedigree, all the right teachers, all the right books read. If we are open to the teacher, we grow. He testifies to the work of Jesus in us. He convicts us. 
discomforts us to be able to comfort us, and he guides us. We see here the next one. Maybe it's seven. I've got two sevens. I don't know. Maybe seven's good enough to have twice. It's a perfect number. Maybe a double number. I'm not sure. (laughs) You can look at it. The next one there is he confirms. And John 16, the second part of verse 13, he confirms. This next phrase, Jesus tells us that he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what the Father hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. Jesus isn't saying that the Holy Spirit will be your fortune cookie. He will tell you these future tellings. But he's saying to his disciples, you will have an understanding through the Holy Spirit about what is to come in general, the imminent future of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. John 16 verse 14 tells us, He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. He will confirm in us, remember, what Jesus has done for us. The Holy Spirit is real. He is personal. And He makes real and personal the significance of what Jesus has done in us. Verse 15 of John chapter 16. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Everything that belongs to the Father has been given to the Son, and the Holy Spirit will make it known to us. Now, now check this out. This isn't in your notes. You may want to write it down. See, the Father, the roles of the Trinity here, the Father initiates my salvation. Jesus Christ mediates my salvation. The Holy Spirit substantiates my salvation. The Father initiates my salvation. Jesus Christ mediates my salvation. And the Holy Spirit substantiates my salvation. See, the work of the Holy Spirit confirms the love that God has in us. God the Father gives the command to turn on the light. Jesus Christ sends the power, the electricity to the switch, and the Holy Spirit flips the switch on in our life. That simple illustration explains why you could be reading in the 40 days through the New Testament, and all of a sudden, it's like a light bulb comes on, and you you see something you haven't seen before. This is the work of the Trinity in your life. God the Father is wanting to speak to you, and the Son is sending the power to you, and the Holy Spirit flips the switch and a light comes on. As we walk in the Spirit, we need to understand that He will confirm things in us that the Father and the Son have been doing around us. Next, turn with me in your Bible or in your outline, look at 1 Peter 1, 1 through 1-2. We've been walking through John, and in the final Stages here in the last three at least. The Holy Spirit will probably, we could talk about how other things he does. But there's three more I want to talk about tonight. He sanctifies. First Peter 1, 2 in the NIV says, For those who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. It's the responsibility of the Holy Spirit to sanctify. This actually means, you know what it is, to set us apart. It's important for us to remind ourselves that it's the Holy Spirit's doing that sets us apart for God's holy use. Well, we need to understand, and I think especially in our faith tradition in the Church of Nazarene, we, we goober this up a lot. 
As much as you and I understand that we cannot save ourselves, I have no ability to save myself. None. You have no ability to save yourself. You also have that same lack of ability, not a chance, zero, to sanctify yourself. To set yourself apart. But somehow we feel like, God, I'm coming to you and I, I receive your grace and you have saved me from my sin. But hang on, I'm going to go set myself apart for you. I'm going to go really work real hard and, and try to be all clean and perfect for you. And, and I will be set apart for you. Just watch how good I can do. No. The Holy Spirit, He is the sanctifier. He is the one who will set you apart. Now, we have a cooperation. We have a role that we play in that. We'll talk about that in the weeks to come of walking in the Spirit. But we need to know that is His work, not our work. You and I, we can't save ourselves. We cannot sanctify ourselves. Jesus suffered outside the city gate to sanctify the people through His own blood. It's a work of the Holy Spirit that affects this sanctifying work in our life. Second to last one there on your outline, we see Acts 1-8 testify to this. He also empowers us. The Holy Spirit, what does He do? He empowers. If you're at the book of John, you turn and you go a little bit farther, you find Acts. Among one of the last words that Jesus spoke to His followers, when you look at this carefully, Acts 1-8, He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Notice, he says you will receive power when? Wait for my Spirit. Wait for the one who brings the power. He will empower us. This power enables us to live a life pleasing to him. Now, if we seek the Holy Spirit, we get his power. If we seek the power of the Spirit, we get neither one. Next two weeks, we're going to be talking about the nuts and bolts of living a life led and controlled by the Holy Spirit. I like power. I want the power. I want anointing. I want boldness. I want what the apostles had. But if I seek the power, if I seek the demonstration or the work of the Holy Spirit, and I don't seek the Spirit of God, if I don't seek God Himself, I get neither one. And so when we understand that He is the one that gives us power, it's not in how bad you want it, it's not in how much you have starved yourself for it, it's not after you going and getting it, He is the one that gives the power. And so when we seek Him, He empowers us. When we seek His power, we get neither one. We don't get the Holy Spirit moving freely in our life, and we don't receive His power. Acts 1.8, the second part, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, His power is given to us not to make us look good, not to make us prosper in our own eyes, not to give us some kind of authority to wield over our friends and family. The Holy Spirit gives us a power to witness to testify about Him, to make the Father known. See, the Holy Spirit will only speak about what Jesus has done, and when the power of the Holy Spirit is in us, the power is to speak about what Jesus has done. If the Holy Spirit's power, if I try to pervert it and and turn it into some kind of product that I bottle up and sell, something I wield and manipulate to, to make me or you look more special, To highlight any institution, to highlight any place, this is a perversion. 
And we want to be people who are led and controlled by the Holy Spirit, not trying to control the Holy Spirit. As dangerous as it is to try to leave the fresh wind and power of God out of our life, it's that dangerous to be so enamored with the effects of the wind and the power of the Holy Spirit that I want to try to harness it and control it for my own strength. Pitfall, pitfall. Does this sound familiar? It's all over Scripture. We've just been reading it for 40 days. But when I am led by the Holy Spirit, there is that power and that purity in Him that He empowers us. Finally, the last one for tonight anyway. What does the Holy Spirit do? He intercedes. The word intercede means to stand in the gap for someone else. Man, I love the power, but this is better. In the New Testament, almost always this word for intercede is used in the context of prayer. If you turn with me to the next book in the New Testament after Acts, the book of Romans, we find in Romans 8.26, one of the most encouraging scriptures to me in my life. Acts 8.26 and 27, here's what it says. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Many times, I have no idea what I'm supposed to pray. I know I want to pray. I know I want to see the power of prayer. I know I want to have the intimacy with God. But I'm going to be gut level honest with you. I don't know any other way to do it. I'm going to be transparent and and filleted open before you. Many times, in my weakness, I say, God, what do you want me to pray? Well, don't misunderstand me. I got a list of my wants. I got a list of things that I feel like could or should happen. But I know enough to say that I don't want to pray in my own idol. So, God, what do you want me to pray? What should I pray for? What does the Holy Spirit do that is in us? He intercedes on our behalf. He stands in the gap. He intercedes to the Father with groans that words cannot express. Have you ever felt like you just... You, you wanted to please God. You, you wanted to pray. You wanted to advance forward, but you didn't know how or what to say or, or what to do next. God is not disappointed in you. Your pastor is not disappointed in you. Join me. I'm there with you. In fact, Jesus set it up this way. The Father set it up this way. The Holy Spirit loves this aspect about His role in our life as He intercedes for us. The more we get close to the Spirit, the more we see of ourself, the more we see of ourself, we begin to know more than anybody else, there is nothing good in us. John 3.30 is a life verse for me. He must become greater, I must become less. The less you see of Brady, the more you see of Jesus, the better everybody in this room will be, at least in regards to who I am. When we walk in the Spirit together, we can take great comfort and know that we have one who stands in the gap for us. This idea... That you're going to be set apart, holy, sanctified, have it all together, know everything you're supposed to know, is worse than a a compression undershirt that doesn't fit. (laughs) Now, if you weren't here Sunday morning, ask somebody about an embarrassing experience of some goofy guy. I don't know. God never asked you. To know what to do all the time. 
Jesus never said, memorize every prayer. He didn't say, get it all together. He said, let my spirit in you be your strength. Not by might, nor my power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I want to walk in that, do you? Well, that's one of these things about a teaching like this. I wish we all didn't have to go home. I want to do six or seven hours straight. But I get tired and you get hungry and then we all get grumpy and so we better just stay on the path that we have. We need to know who the Holy Spirit is, friends. You know Him. I know Him. But we need to be reminded. We need to know what the Holy Spirit does because as we begin to zero in on what it means to really walk in the Spirit, this is not a Casper the Friendly Ghost. This is not an emotional goosebump that we're chasing after. This is not a lack of organization or an over-organization. This is about knowing the very Spirit of God who wants to have a relationship with us, who is already in us, who is testifying to the work that Jesus has done in our life, and He will comfort you. He will counsel you. He abides with you. He's going to teach you. He's going to guide you. He's going to intercede for you. I mean, this sounds pretty good. And that's the message that we need to share with one another and share with the watching world around us. Not of the list of things that we do and we don't do and we don't drink and smoke and chew and go with girls that do and all those other things. There's stuff that we need to follow. God doesn't want us to get hurt by doing some dumb things. That is not walking in the spirit of memorizing a list of stuff. It's about allowing this one who does so much in our behalf to be our guide, counselor, abider, teacher, intercessor, the one who sticks closer than a brother. Father, I confess tonight that we got a good plague of knowing too much stuff going on, at least in my brain. That we need a washing and renewing of our mind, cleansing us of what we think that we already know, and a good dose of experiencing what it is that you have taught us in our head. I pray that you will bring back the sweet presence of your Spirit in our life. We recognize tonight that you have not gone anywhere. We recognize tonight that we don't have just God light. But maybe you're going to show us that we have all of you, but you don't have all of us. We want to be set apart for your work. We want to walk in your spirit. So, Father, teach us who your spirit is, what he does. Remind us in the weeks to come that you want to empower us to walk in greater intimacy with you. In your name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for hanging out tonight. Men, it's not too soon to set an alarm for Thursday morning to join us for rush hour. I think I'm going to set mine early to remind myself to get up early then. If you don't have plans, or if your plans are just to sleep, I want to remind you that you don't have plans. Join us Thursday morning as we study the book of James together. That will be our guide. Have a blessed night. Cheese curds were good last week at Culver's. I may be looking for another place.